So this morning, I praise God for the opportunity that is giving me to share God's word with you. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will give us the freedom to receive his word. And not just being hearers of his word, but also doers of his word. Because this will bring a truly transformation in our lives. And uh, I titled this sermon, Laid It Down and Live It Up. There are things in our lives that many times we need to lay down so we can enjoy to live it up. I was thinking something. You know, many times we look for moments where we gather the family and we talk to each other. We, uh, we say things that happen during the week. In uh, our family, there is a, a rule that I try to observe all the time. When we are at the table, we put it down all our technology, phone, uh, radio, TV, nothing. We put it down so we can enjoy each other and converse to each other. And I'm so grateful that this has been working for different years. What I'm trying to say with this analogy is that the fact that sometimes to enjoy more the spiritual aspect of our life and the connection, the fellowship that we have with our Heavenly Father, we need to lay down something. And the first thing that we need to lay down is our life. Understanding that in Christ we can have a full life and we can enjoy fully His presence. So I encourage you to open your Bible in Colossians chapter 2. We'll read it from verse 6 to 15. I love the Word of God, but, and I know that I say this often. <laughs> but there are portions of the Bible that really speaks to our hearts, that are really meaningful for us to understand and to be blessed. And I believe that this chapter 2 is one of those chapters where the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to speak in a very clear way. So let's go back to our reading this morning. Colossians chapter 2, beginning from verse 6. But I want to encourage you to read the whole chapter um, as you go home and meditate on, on this chapter. May the Lord continue to bless our hearts as we read His word. Therefore, as you receive the Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and build up in Him and establish in the faith, just as you were thought, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one, no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and, un, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling 
the record of death that stood against us with his legal demands, this he sets aside, nailing to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them and him. Praise God for his word. So the Apostle Paul is writing to these believers in Colossae and is sharing the importance of their faith in Christ. And that church, that region, like also the church of Laodicea, was part of, were attacked by some false teachers trying to steal the true gospel that was preached to those believers. And there were three dangers of false teaching that were attacking the church in Colossae. And that's why Paul is writing this epistle. I want to show you briefly what he talks about. First is the danger of human speculations. One way people were trying to drag these believers out of their faith in Christ was through the philosophy, a tradition of the Greek, the elements of this world. Most of the time, those elements were so rooted in the culture that was very difficult for those believers to be pulled out. And one of them was to have a happy life. You know, enjoy life the most you can because one day you will die. So do whatever you feel is best for you today. And forget about other things. Another danger was the danger of religious legalism. There were a group of people also in Colossae that were coming from a Jewish background. And those became Christians, but they anchored their faith in Christ strictly on the observance of the law. So they were imposing on the believers that were not Jewish, they were Gentiles, that were coming to Christ, not being part of the heritage of the Jewish tradition, to observe circumcision, to observe other rituals of the law that Christ himself have changed and fulfilled. You didn't need to fulfill the rituals of the law. Christ fulfilled them. You are in the grace now. Another danger Paul alludes in this verse 11, it is very clear in that, is spiritual stagnation. The apostle is addressing those Christians who need to make changes in their lives. He say, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So now because you receive a circumcision that was not made by men, but directly by Christ. Now you cannot be stagnant spiritually. Now you are new creation. Now you have been born in Christ. Now you need to change. And Paul, in chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, says these words. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I believe, my brothers and sisters, that is something that we need to be careful also. Where we are setting our minds this morning. What are our goals what we are willing to lay down to live it up. Where 
we anchor our life this morning. I want to show you with the word of God that if Christ lives in us, is all in us, as we sang before, is everything to us and is giving us purpose and meaning. So the first thing that I want to speak about it is sin causes spiritual bankruptcy. You see, our sinful nature causes us to be in a debt that we couldn't pay. And you know, sometimes you speak with people and they realize that there is something wrong. There is something that they cannot maybe identify correctly and suddenly, but there is something that is missing their life. And the reality is that without Christ, we are in a terrible condition. We are aware that we are drowning in deep waters and uh, in deep spiritual misery, but we don't know how to come up. Let me tell you something. Sometimes we try to do the minimal in a Christian life, thinking that this will help us to come up. When I was six years old, I had a bad experience. I thought I was a very good swimmer. And because I live closer to the ocean, and we were at the beach with my family and some friends. And uh, I went in a place where I shouldn't have gone. But you know, you are a kid. You think you are smart, right? So I went to far away from the beach. There was this whirlpool. And I was pulled down. Thank God, my ankle that was on the beach realized that I was going down. I couldn't go up. And he came to help me. And I remember I was debating, I'm, I'm drowning, uncle, I'm drowning. At one point, I said, stop it. Just let me help you. And because I was uh, swallowing water, I became more agitated and more difficult. It wasn't for him to pull me out of the, of the water. I just remember one thing that helped me. It slapped my face. <laughs> I still remember like it was yesterday. <laughs> And you know, I called down, and he was able to pull me out. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, there are moments in our lives that we need to lay down. It's not enough to the minimal. And I want to give you another illustration. Do you know a credit card? There is something interesting. I'm not completely against the credit card because today you are forced to have a credit card. If you want to rent a car, if you want to rent a tool, you need to have a credit card. If you don't have a credit card, they don't rent you the tool that you need. And I love tools. But that's another story. <laughs> you know, when it comes to your financial health, I believe that credit card can be very dangerous. I read something that just if you have a a debt of $2,000 and you do the minimal paid and an interest of 18% and some credit card, maybe they charge you more, and you just make the payment of 2% when you receive the statement, it will take you 317 months to pay your debt of $2,000. Minimal payments are not sufficient to extinguish the debt. And many times in a Christian life, we want to do the minimal payments. 
We want to do something just to bring to the minimal the gap that there is between us and God. So once a while we go to church, once a while we give an offering, once a while we read the Bible, once a while we lift up a prayer. In special occasion we are in church like Christmas and Easter time, some funerals, some weddings. But those minimal payments are not extinguishing your debt. We have our own list, the sinful nature that we have. I remember laying in bed at night before becoming Christian. And though I had a very good position in job, in school, there was just a moment of reflection in my life to realize that I had a depth. There is an emptiness in my life that couldn't, I couldn't fill. And only the presence of Christ eventually filled that gap. You see, you can form your own list of things that you are done wrong before God. You can form your own list and be constantly brought to you by the accuser that we have. Because we have an accuser, the Bible called devil. And he's the accuser of the brothers. He's a master to let you know where you went wrong. Where you fail God faithfulness is a master in give you all the faults and never give you the hope that comes with the faults. He's accusing you before God. And we have examples that we can bring in the scripture, but also in our own life. And we are removed from hope, from the hope that Jesus is giving to us. And most of the time, we don't know how to come up. And guilt and shame are coming in our lives. And we feel defeated. But let me tell you something. Jesus is the answer to our spiritual misery. He came to deliver us from the power of darkness. From the power of sins. The solution for spiritual emptiness is not Philosophy is not the culture that we are in. Is not having a religious, legalistic approach to God. But is to receive Jesus Christ in our lives. In understanding that He paid the debt. Paul spoke the solution for all who are sick and stuck in the emptiness of their spiritual misery. Look what he says in verse 9 and 10. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Think one moment. The one that is God. The one that became one like us in human form. Also the one that has all the authority is the one that is your guarantor. Is the one that gives you hope that your sins has forgiven, have been forgiven on Calvary. So Christ made us full by his work, by what he accomplished us for us. us. The proper way to look at everything that the word is, is uh, giving to us is not through the lens of our own righteousness, but through the lens. Of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So think one moment. The one that has all the authority. The one that has all the power. Is your savior. Is your Lord. Is your guarantor. Praise God for this. 
Hallelujah. So we have the debt. We have something that we cannot extinguish in our own. But somebody took our place. And he said, I'm paying the debt. The debt is paid fully. Now you and I can be free. And you can celebrate the freedom in Jesus. You have been fully in him. And more we are, we are filled with his presence, less empty we feel. And we enjoy a happy life that is not given by the circumstances that we are facing. But is lived because Jesus lives in us. Amen? With that? Also, Jesus' victory over death grants our spiritual freedom. Here, Paul is speaking about the finished work of Jesus on Calvary. And uh, how the cross was the tool that God used to make us free. The cross was a sign of humiliation. It's interesting. If you look at what Paul writes to the Philippians. When he speaks about the death of of Christ. He says that he died on the cross. But then he reinforces that thought. He says on the death of the cross again. Meaning that this was the most shameful way to die. It was something that the Romans reserved to the worst criminal. And for a Jew, being crucified was uh, even more humiliating. Because the death of uh, a criminal Jew was being stoned. Not being crucified. But God through Jesus made the shame of the cross our victory your victory my victory so we don't need to live anymore trapped in the shame of sin you know Paul is saying something even better than this he says that he made a public spectacle of the enemy when he conquered death Jesus Not just they died on the cross, but he rose again. The tomb was not able to contain the body of Jesus Christ. Because by the power of God, he rose again. And Paul is giving us this analogy. When a a general, a a Roman general, was having victory over uh, another enemy. When he was going back to Rome, he was going through a public celebration. He was bringing the prisoners. He was being all the spoils. He was bringing all the goods that he took from that enemy population and bringing Rome. And more people he was bringing, greater was the spectacle and the magnitude of his victory. Paul is saying, Jesus defeated death. Jesus defeated the power of sin and all those enemies of the condemnation that comes with the enemy. He made a public spectacle. So you and I this morning, my brothers and sisters and friends, we can live under the blessing of that public victory that Jesus celebrated. And now we are set free. Our debts have been canceled in Christ. Remember that the legal debt of sin that we all had. Remember the record that was in our books. Remember all the transgression. Remember all the debts that we couldn't pay. Though because we were doing minimal payments. Or because we didn't have the resources to pay fully. 
And even if we had the money, there was something left all the time that was condemning us. But Paul says something that is so interesting for you and I to hear. Christ has set us free by canceling the record of death that stood against us. They were rightly demands. So there was an official documentation. But it is set aside, nailing where? Nailing to the cross. And he said, disarm the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them and him. Praise God. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. He removed the power to hurt you. And when you know that there is temptation, when you know that the power of darkness is coming against you, know that they are disarmed. Their weapons are not effective. They are just there to scare you, but they can take you down. Praise God for this. The Bible says that weaponry are not from the flesh, are spiritual. In Christ, we have been set free. We have the power to defeat the enemy, not because we are strong, but because the one that lives in us is strong. And we give glory to God for this. Because of Him, we are now justified and reconciled with our Heavenly Father. There is no more gap. There is no more separation between us and God. And there is no absolutely chance that those sins from the past will come back to us again as being charged in our account. I love what the psalmist says. That as much... Uh, the east is far from the west. God has forgotten and completed our sins. When we come to him in repentance and we believe in Jesus Christ. When we come to him and we understand that without him our life is in a bankruptcy condition. When we come to him and we confess our desperate need of his grace. Those sins are completely washed away by the blood of Jesus. We are covered by the righteousness of Christ. Doesn't matter if you are a thief. Doesn't matter if you are a murderer. Doesn't matter if you are being trapped in things that are tedious to the eyes of God. You know what? They're canceled. You have been set free. Hallelujah. You have been changed, transformed. Praise God for this. Praise God for His grace. Praise God for what He is able to do in our lives. And you know, in 32 years in ministry almost, I can tell you something that I've seen people, even people that murder somebody, being washed away by the blood of Jesus. They are not proud of their lives, of the past lives, but now they have Jesus in their hearts. Their people are being changed. God still do it even today. It's a work. And you don't need to be a criminal to understand that. You don't need to be somebody that does wrong things. But we all need the grace. We all need the grace. In Romans chapter 5 verse 1 and 2. Paul is speaking about the peace that we have with God now. He says, therefore... Since we have been justified by faith, 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Hallelujah. How beautiful it is that you can go to sleep and know that you have peace with God. That the author, the creator of everything is in peace with you. That you don't have nothing against him. That you have a relationship with him. Praise God. And he continues and say, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Hallelujah. God doesn't just finish his work removing the sin from our lives. But also is giving us the privilege to have access to the throne of grace. How wonderful is that? Can you imagine you being a criminal? And because of your condition, yourself are counted among the criminals. But then something happened. You are transformed, you are changed, you have been forgiven. And now you have access, directly access to the highest authority that is in the country. And you can go and you don't need to reserve your appointment with the prime minister or the president. You are free to have access to his office. You have free to talk with him. You are free to demand what you need. It's not so amazing for us. That we have a full access to the glory and the throne of God. There is no more shame. There is no more condemnation. The author to the Hebrews says that we have now full confidence to approach the throne of God. The throne of glory. Hallelujah. And you know why? Because Jesus nailed to the cross the power of sin and death. Hallelujah. Our death died along with our Savior, Jesus Christ. The work was accomplished. The job was completely done. And you know what? He took our billion or dollar debt, if I may say that, that we never could pay. And he said, man, this is paid. You are set free now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so touched by the grace of God. You see, Jesus' victory is our guarantee today. Hear the Jesus' words that he said to us. Only those who understand that are in debt can be set free from debt. You know, the work of the cross is finished completely. Everything is done. But you need to understand that you are in spiritual bankruptcy without Christ. There is no goodness that can pay your debt. There is no good morals that can pay your debts. There is not the fact that you were born in a Christian family that can pay your debts. In the family of God, you don't become Christian because you were born under a Christian family. Or because you do some ritual that makes you Christian. No, you became and you become a Christian only when you repent of your sins and you understand that there is a Savior that died on the cross for your sins. Jesus said these words for you and I in Luke chapter 5, verse 31 and 32. And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, 
but sinners to repentance. If you feel righteous, you don't need a savior. But I have a, a bad news to give you. You will never meet God as your savior. Because you feel there is no need. Jesus died for those who are sinners. And the bad news also is that all we are sinners. We all deserve condemnation, but Jesus came. How we can start this nuance of life? We accepted Jesus Christ. We are justified by him. We are reconciled to the Father. Now there is a newness of life that needs to be walked in. We read at the beginning of our text, now that you have Christ, walk in him. And you know, baptism, and this is my final point, is the initial step of our commitment to live for Christ. And it's a beautiful analogy. Baptism is the depiction of deliverance from sin. Some people may think water baptism is not essential without no particular meaning. The water baptism pictures the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but also picture our death and resurrection with Christ. Amen. It's very important. We identify with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In verse 12, it says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. You see, if you have professed your faith in Jesus Christ, yet you are still never baptized, there is something wrong in the process. Because the first obedience is baptism. I would strongly encourage you to consider to get baptized. Actually, next Sunday, we will start a baptismal class. Again, for those who are willing. And God willing, we will have a sooner baptismal service. Where people that accepted Jesus will identify with uh, their faith in Jesus Christ. There is no obligation if you attended the class. But just explain to you what it means, baptism. You see, I want to make sure that you understand something. Water baptism is not a doctrine of a Fervy Alliance Church. Water baptism is something that Jesus himself commanded for us. In Mark chapter 16, before he ascended to the glory of heaven, says these words. And he said to them, to the disciples, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. You see, Jesus has given us two ordinances that are very important. One is the celebration of communion. When we remember his death, his resurrection, and we are proclaiming that he's coming back. And the other ordinance is the fact that we will be baptized. We'll identify with him. And Romans chapter 6 verse 4 is giving us this very clear picture. In Romans 6 4 we read, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as a Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Don't be scared of what I say especially those who are planning to be baptized. But I'm saying this, the baptistry or the 
the tank with the water, if you prefer, is a liquid tomb. Because you have been already identified your life with Christ. So when you go down, you are dying to yourself. But when you go and die with Christ, there is only one person that's mourning. And it's the devil. Because he hates to see you coming to Christ. He hates you when you take the decision to surrender your life to Christ and obeying him. But at the same time, as you go down in that liquid tomb, and then you go up, you are raised in newness of life in Christ. You identify yourself with the fact that Jesus Christ was not contained in the tomb. Therefore, when we are baptized, we celebrate the fact that our old life has been laid down, has died with Christ. And now you are walking newness of life. The joy that comes with that is amazing. Paul says that Christian baptism is more than true circumcision. You see, circumcision was the sign between Israel, the exterior sign between Israel and the other nations of the world. But again, it's not because you are in a Christian family that you are saved. It's not because your parents baptized you when you were a baby that you are saved. You are becoming a saved person when you place your faith in Christ and you obey as an adult to the command of Jesus Christ to be baptized in water. Because you make the commitment. Not your parents make the commitments. Not your friends. But you are making the commitments to identify your life with Christ's death and resurrection. And you proclaim that you are in love with Christ. And you want to serve him for all the rest of your days. And you know there is such a joy that comes with this. Look. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 13. And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of our flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Under the old covenant, to be part of God's people... You were supposed to be circumcised. In the new covenant, there is no more circumcision in the flesh. There is a circumcision of the heart. And once you understand that you are a sinner in need of God's grace, you repent, you come to Christ. We celebrate the funeral of the old person, the old man, and we welcome the new babies. Imagine those babies in Christ. They need to be discipled. They need to be encouraged. They need to be nourished. They need to be taught how to walk eventually. And what a joy there is in seeing a new baby becoming an adult. Not too long ago, I think it was last month, Pastor Arnold was preaching to the ordination service of Pastor Mark Andrew coming from another religion background. It was an amazing encouragement to see a person that was far from God becoming a child of God, obeying to the baptism, being discipled, and now becoming a disciple to others. That's amazing. That's the cycle of life 
that we want to see here a fair view. And let me close this sermon. How we can apply this process, lay down and live it up in our lives. How we can make possible this in our own life. First of all, the journey of following Jesus is taking one step at a time. You need to go through different steps in your life. And it's so normal that as we go through the normal steps of this procedure, we will see also the growth. It's impossible that those babies that we saw before are fed with a steak. You will kill them. First of all, they will not be able to swallow it, right? They need the milk. But when they grow eventually, they will be able to have that meat. There are steps in your life. Be patient. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. Be patient with God's grace and allow, allow the Holy Spirit to teach you. Then God is still at work here this morning. And I believe that God can do amazing things. As I said before, we are excited to see how God is changing lives here at Fairview. And maybe you are one that are here for the first time or you are becoming in this church for many years, but never took the time to truly surrender, to lay down, to live it up. Why you don't take the time this morning to say, you know, Jesus, I want to really make peace with you. I want to give my life back to you. You see, there is an opportunity. That God is giving to you and I to reconsider. If you're already baptized, if you're already walking with God, rejoice in that. Be grateful to the Lord that you know Him. If you don't have made that step, but you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, take the commitment to go through the initial step and say, Lord, I love you and I want to serve you. Can we all stand? Thank you, Lord. Father, at the end of this service, we are grateful that you pay our debts. We cannot pay in our own, O Lord God. But through your mercies, through your compassion, you saved us. There is no more trace of our sins. There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this morning, O Lord God, we are grateful for those who have already committed our lives to you. But if there is some, some people among us this morning in this auditorium that need to make that commitment to you, O oh Lord, I pray that your will will be done in their lives. That you show your love and compassion. That they don't need to live anymore in spiritual bankruptcy and misery. There is hope because you came to pay for us. So may your Holy Spirit do his work, O oh God. In our lives. And I thank you. Because you are faithful. We come short of your glory O oh God. But you are faithful. Therefore God. Be glorified. Be glorified in our midst. And take glory O oh Father. As we go back to our homes. May your blessing dwell in our hearts. May we share your love and care. We give you honor and glory. In Jesus wonderful name. And all the people God says. Amen.